Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Champions of Risk podcast, where we have guests on who talk about living life with uncertainty. And boy, are we all navigating life with uncertainty right now with the COVID-19 crisis and pandemic. I had an opportunity to sit down with Rebecca Gebhardt about uh, two weeks before the crisis hit. And so I got her back on the phone today. We just want to talk to you for a few minutes before we launch into the actual podcast, because Rebecca works with salespeople and business owners on rising to the next level. She's CEO of Rise Up Consulting, and she also has a new book out that's called Beyond the Board and How to Achieve Your Vision Board Goals in a Fulfilling and Sustainable Way. All things that seem super relevant right now. Rebecca, thanks for getting back on the phone with me. Um, I just want to kind of get an idea from you. How are you working with your clients right now? A lot of people who are salespeople and helping them continue to move forward in this environment. Yes. No, thanks for having me back. I'm glad we're actually doing this. Um, you know, I always say with with my work and um, with the book, a lot of it is all about fundamentals. And when things get crazy, we have to go back to the fundamentals and keep things simple so we don't get um, overwhelmed. And um, so there's two things that I'm helping people with now that I think actually what's really been, I don't want to say great because it's, I mean, there are some silver linings, but you know, when, when pain is high, so is motivation to change. Right. Mm -hmm. And I feel like in sales, there's been a lot of pain and there's been a lot of pain for business owners. Um, I went to the, just a very quick story, which made me think of that today, but my neck is killing me. And I messaged a massage therapist and I was like, I know we can't do this, but what do I do? Right? Like I'm so desperate. And she's like, go back to stretching, go back to hot and cold. And my motivation is very high to have like a proper posture when I'm sitting at my desk. <laughs> I mean, like My motivation is high to do the fundamentals, right? Cause I'm in so much pain. Um, so I think, um, that's really important. And there's, there's two fundamentals that really help right now. One of them is um, perspective and mindset. In the book, I talk about, you know, if you don't like where you are, you can look to three different areas to change. And it's your habits, your skills, and your mindset. And right now is so crucial to make sure that you are reading the right things. I'm not talking about like ignoring what's going on, right? But like, maybe we don't need to be on our phones 24 seven. Maybe we don't need to get it sucked into the drama or anxiety um, of other people, right? Cause there's, there's a lot of anxiety and it's all over social media. And I think it's real important to not let someone else's anxiety determine your activity. You know, it's like, what do you need to do? Focus on that, protect your mind. And then the second thing is getting really good at routines, healthy routines. And this is pretty interesting. So before the pandemic, I never woke up to an alarm. I, I didn't need to. I've got my kids go, you know, they, they get on the bus at nine o'clock and I work from the time they get on the bus to the time they get home. That's, that's a seven hour day for me. I can get it all in. Well, now I'm homeschooling. My husband took my office, you know, he's working from home and I am getting up now at six o'clock in the morning and I'm spending time meditating and reading something good. And, and then I'm getting my work done before nine. And I'm not getting it all of it done before nine in the morning. But that routine is it's helping me feel like I'm in control of something. Um, I'm getting a lot of work done during my most energetic time of day. And that's what I'm encouraging clients to do as well. 
just healthy routines and, and protecting their mind so that they can just keep moving forward. And, you know, the podcast is all about risk. Like there's a lot of opportunity when things get bad and there's a lot of opportunity and risk. If people can just take some time in their healthy routines to get some space to think about what are some possible opportunities or ways they can pivot. I just, I think a lot of good's going to come out of it. Like things that we didn't have to look at before or see these opportunities because things were going okay. Those opportunities are still there. They're just, now they're going to show up if we look for them. It's so true. Within crisis, there is opportunity. I know specifically, I've talked with a lot of other salespeople, you know, every business owner that I've had conversations with too. There's this kind of balance between how do I show up because I still feel like what I have to offer is a value to people. Maybe it's an, even a new audience than what it was a month or two ago and, and balance that with not coming off as, you know, being too quote unquote salesy or opportunistic right now. How are you guiding your clients and what would you say to all of us? I mean, share your share your knowledge here of, of how to balance that out right now. I love that question because I am very passionate about this. So people are being encouraged not to sell right now. I think selling in a pushing way, absolutely not. But the economy, like no one has a business unless a sale is made. The economy needs people to still make money, right? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, and so what I have been teaching people and I've done a couple webinars free webinars about this too, is on servant selling. If we provide value, we go to our referral partners, see how we can help them. I'm telling people to write, send out Corona cards instead of Christmas cards of not like in a bad, like you're not selling them anything, but just like, Hey, I, a handwritten note, I am thinking of you. I don't know how impacted you are, but if you have any questions or I can serve in any way, reach out to me, like a simple thing to do where you, we serve first. And then instead of selling, we let people buy. People will let us know if they're buying and playing the long game too, right? It's, I just want people to keep the long game in mind. We can serve. It's not wrong to want to make money. It's not wrong to want to make a sale. But instead of like we're selling, we're letting people buy by serving them first. It totally shifts the mindset. It changes the energy behind it. And people respond to that. Yes. And people will respond if you're doing it authentically as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Well, thank you, Rebecca, so much uh, for getting on the phone with us. You just added a couple of extra great tips in addition to what we talked about earlier. So everyone, please enjoy the Champions of Risk podcast with our guest today, Rebecca Gebhardt. Hello, I'm Michael W. Kithcart. Welcome to Champions of Risk podcast, where we have conversations that explore the many aspects of risk that occur in our lives so that we can all face uncertainty with more resilience, confidence, and humor together. Today, my guest is Rebecca Gebhardt. She is a multi-million dollar business creator who retired from insurance at the age of 30. Three, we'd all be so lucky. She is the founder of Rise Up Consulting, which is helping salespeople and business owners rise to the next level by analyzing their habits, skills, and attitudes. And she recently became an author with her book, Beyond the Board, How to Achieve Your Vision Board Goals in a Fulfilling and Sustainable Way. Rebecca, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. Very excited to talk to you today. So I just have to like 
confess, and we just need to put this out here. You and I hadn't met before, but we talked and we realized that the thing that we have in common is that we both sold books door to door (laughs) in college at different times and in different cities. But still, I have to lead with how did selling books door to door all summer long prepare you for becoming an entrepreneur and author? It was the boot camp. So I want to give a little bit of back way because people are like, did you sell those magazines? And I'm like, it wasn't magazines. It was books. Heavy so, books. Heavy books, which now my back has a curvature in it because I carried those, you know, on my right side. Yes. So we sold educational books and software door to door. Okay. We- it wasn't software when I did it. It was more books. <laughs> Okay, (laughs) but continue. When people read books, which they still do, I hope they do. So we would go to a different part of the country to get rid of distractions. We'd meet different people, socioeconomic backgrounds, like the whole thing. And all day from 7.59, because only lazy people start after 8 a.m., till 9.31 p.m., we would go door to door to door. And I would probably knock on 30 to 40. Well, I know I knocked on more than 30 doors. 50 doors a day, talk to 35 to 40 people, maybe 15 to 20 of those would let me give them my little spiel. And then, you know, five or six would end up buying the books. But it was a law of averages. Yes. Yes, it was. And there was great sales training for the week before. Yeah. And then they set you free. Yes. And so... Uh, knowing everything from how to approach a door to using, you know, I was just talking to Mrs. Smith down the street and she said, you, we should talk to you. How did that um, kind of influence what you did after college? So I actually worked with them. So I did that for six years. So after college, so I went to Marquette University and I'm in the middle of seven children and we had to pay our own way. And uh, Marquette at the time was 30000 a year with room and board. And I had worked at the paper mill, you know what I mean, before that. So I knew I needed to make money. So I had the courage to kind of do that. But anyway, then two years after college, I recruited people, college kids, to actually <laughs> go sell those books. And I would sell with them. And then I pivoted. And that's when I went into insurance. But the insurance company was a sister company at the time. So I got to work with similar people still and apply the same things. But now I look back and like the lesson of, you know, the people that, um, that are going to be listening to this is I feel like people hate to sell or they feel like they can only sell once they know someone mm-hmm. or, like, you know what I mean? It's like, we have to go through this whole thing. Like, no, 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 no. Like we have to be friends first. And right. now I help salespeople like get out of the friend zone. You know, if you're if you meet someone and you're like, oh, we're in the friend zone, I can't I want to date them. And yeah. I think it's the same thing with with sales. It's like you don't like I we, you and I would meet people and, the, and even with insurance because I cold called businesses and did referrals 20 minutes before that they had never met me. And then I'd leave with a check for four hundred dollars or, you know, an insurance premium of a couple hundred dollars a month. And they didn't know they needed it before they, 20 minutes before. I wasn't even a blip on their radar. And I think that's an important skill mm-hmm. to then, you know. Anyway. Yeah, no, it's it's very true. And um, sometimes people will confuse that relationship piece where it has to be over a long period of time. And yes, that is absolutely important in sales and in business and all of those pieces, but it can also be established in a very short period of time. And we both uh, have spent parts of our career, you even longer than I have, as being 100% commissioned salespeople. And so that in and of itself, uh, not everybody has the stomach for commission sales. What do you love about it? 
I, well, the commission sales that I even like, yeah, so for 20 years, I've been straight commission since I sold books after my freshman year of college, with the exception of two small HR internships, you know, I've never worked for a paycheck. It's always been singing for my supper. And sometimes I've been off tune, (laughs) (laughs) off key. It's like, uh. but I just, I like that if I can figure out what the controllable metrics are that will help me, like I, I'm like, I know I can work hard. I know I can figure out that skill. I know I can put the habits in to make it happen. So that, and I, and I feel like, and this is, this, you know, podcast is about risk. And so Mm -hmm. when people look at the risk, instead of worrying about all the things that are out of their control, they can just think about what can I control and what of those things will actually make a difference. It's still risky, but then it's an educated risk. Yes. And it's one worth taking. It's, yes. And it, it's a, a great point. So kind of staying on that for a moment, because you work with salespeople and entrepreneurs and businesses, how do you help them identify the things that they can control? Oh, that's good. So, well, first of all, we have to break down like what, what do they need to be doing? And that, that really is their, their controllables. So I'll go through, like, like for example, not everyone can quantify marketing. And I don't do a ton of marketing. I don't want to talk a ton about marketing, but this is a, just a good thing. So, but we always, we're, like, we're on social media and we're promoting our business, but no one can really track, like, what does that do, right? Can you mm-hmm. actually track if business is coming from that or if it's just helping the no like, and trust factor, which which is critical. So instead of, and, and that is very important. I just don't coach on that stuff. So what I help my clients with the sales part is, well, how many presentations do you have to give? Or where are your prospects? Like, how do you fill up your pipeline? You, you know, yeah. like, and there's always these ups and downs with entrepreneurship. And I always say, like, the success of your business is not the size of your bank account or your follower account. It's the size of your pipeline. Mm-hmm. And so you need to do what you can control to keep that pipeline. Like people are just always coming in the door. Well, and you talked a little bit about habit, you know, habit forming. It sounded like there's discipline in kind of your storyline as well. Yeah. Which I also know about that they taught us and as we were selling door to door. (laughs) How do you bring that forward to someone who maybe is a little resistant? Because sometimes, and you and I both work with entrepreneurs, uh, they actually want to buck the system, right? You know, I don't have a process. I don't have a framework. We were just talking with (laughs) a CEO earlier this week who was saying that. Um, And yet we know that discipline, habit, those those elements are needed. So how do you help someone that's a little more free-flowing? Creative. Creative. I have all these great ideas. Wonderful. How um, do you rein them in or yeah. to help them get to where they want to go? Yeah. Well, I think when you're in business, it's you do have to do what you like to do. Like that is really important. But income producing activities are different than what you love to do. So what I help my clients with is when we're feeling more disciplined, and this is like a whole other topic, but um, there are times a day when we are our best. Like the morning is my best. So I'm glad we're recording this in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> Because in the afternoon, I, sometimes I can get spacey, but I'm really spacey um, in the afternoon. But um, there are certain times a day where we need to do the work that we're good at that is income producing. And so I tell people to do that in the morning when you're feeling disciplined. You know, like no one eats the box of ice cream at eight in the morning. They eat it at eight at night when their discipline wears off. And so people will say, well, I'm just not disciplined. I can't be disciplined all day. And the truth is not everyone can. But if you can figure out how, how you're wired and when you're best, you can get you can get two hours worth of work done that would take you eight hours 
if you did it later and half the time is like, are you actually doing the work or are you thinking about doing the work? Like mm-hmm. that's the whole thing for entrepreneurs, right? Like well, I'm, I'm working so hard. Like, no, you're thinking about working hard. You're thinking about your job, but you're not doing anything. Mm-hmm. And that's where those, the habits come in is you need to create habits of when that work's going to get done. Habits that you can track. Habits right. that move the needle, habits that you can increase increase your skill set with. You can build a mindset around that. Yes. Well, and you practice what you preach. You too are an entrepreneur. So tell me from your perspective, um, you seem to have built up resilience to risk uh, early in life being, you know, a door-to-door salesperson mm-hmm. and commission person. What do you kind of attribute to your ability to face uncertainty and still move forward. So what um, what I do, and sometimes I do this really well, I actually write it out and sometimes I just think about it, but about the possibilities, but it's about the, when I'm looking at a risk, I go through like, what are all the expected, unexpected, bad things that can possibly happen? You know, so, um, and I talk about this in the book, but actually when I was thinking about writing a book, I went, okay, well, what if no one buys it? Like, that's not a rational thought, but let's just go through, like, what are all the worst case scenarios? Right. Like, you go to the dark side first. Yeah, you go to the dark side first. Right. Or what if um, there's a mistake in the book? Because I self-published and I had an editor, but there's still going to be, I hope there aren't many. I haven't found any, but I'm sure someone will find something. Or, you know, what if, whatever it is, like something happens that's wrong. Or what if I meet someone and I offend them on accident or... So I go through that stuff and then the pendulum swings. That's a very negative space to be in (laughs) and what you think about you get. Um, But if you can, and then I do the pendulum swing on the positive, like what if all these positive things happen? But then after the negatives, if I go, okay, well, what, what if no one buys the book and I can still process, well, then I would do this and I'm okay with that. I know it's, it's worth the risk. And I feel like people, like I have so many clients that are like, I can't make the phone call. I don't want to, I don't want to sound stupid. You know, I don't want to do this. It's going to be awkward. And I'm like, it's, it's always awkward. You know, like I don't want to look dumb, but I'm willing to look stupid. Like I'm willing to do it. Mm -hmm. And I feel like even if sometimes we feel awkward, the other person never recognizes it. They don't see what's going on um, underneath. So people aren't thinking about us nearly as much as we think that they are. And oh, no, they think about me all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Rebecca, I'm sorry. <laughs> I have to tell you. The, the, the dark side to the positive side is, is a great way of building up a risk muscle. What other tips would you share? Well, with risk, I think you need to look back at some of the things you've done in the past, whether it's a really small win or it might be a big thing. But what are some other things that you did? That you can go back in your confidence piggy bank, right? Like, what are those things that I did that I I survived and I was actually better for? But you actually need to remind yourself of that. Like, there are not people in our lives who are like, remember that one time you did this and it worked out? And you go, oh, yeah. Right. Like, I mean, there's levels of of success for, for all of us, but we all have wins. And there's all times where we did take a leap. It just, just because you haven't done it in a while, it's going to be harder. But mentally harder, but not actually the work's not harder. Yes. 
So um, I would love to hear a little bit about the, the book. Beyond the Board. The Beyond the Board. <laughs> Sorry. Don't have my notes no, no. in front yeah, of me, the folks. Subtitle, yeah, the <laughs> subtitle is like super long. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I I had looked at a chapter uh, of it and, um, you know, really looking at the book as how you go about uh, achieving goals. Kind of tell us a little bit about how this book or your process can help people move forward in their particular goals. Yeah. Um, I am so, con- I just think there's so much information out there that it, it's not like a, a lack of information that causes us to move. It's there's too much and we can't decide what to do. And I, oh, I'm always like, you need to simplify if you want to multiply. Like you have to simplify things if you want to multiply your income or your impact or any of that. And so when I was putting together the book, and I, I read a lot. And there's some books that are like, you know, from consultants, really two other consultants that are like, look how smart I sound. And and there's good stuff in there, but I'm like, none of this is applicable. It's just going to be over most people's heads. And so when I wrote the book, I was like, how can I just simply break down? And it's not all encompassing. It's not like everything that I have ever known that's in that book. But I was like, when people go achieve their goals, I think a problem they have is they don't know what they want. They don't know what their level of success is. We just see what everyone else has. There's so many options. So like literally chapter one is what do you want? Mm. Like know your know your what. And do you find that a lot of people struggle even with identifying what it is that they want? All the time. Yeah. I, All the time. I too. I was on the phone yesterday with a financial advisor and he makes six figures. He's going to bring in 30 million of new business this year. He does really well. And I said, well, what? But when I asked him that goal, he's like, I'm not sure what I want this year. <laughs> you know, like he just works. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. most people don't. And, and it changes. And we look up. I mean, most people are just running and we're try- it's the rat race or we're busy or we like, I want to do this. And no one stops to think like, oh, has, should I maybe be approaching this in a different way now that I have a bigger skill set and a better network? Or should I just keep running into the wall? Right. So anyway, so that's how the book is broken down. It's like, know your what, know your why, know your who, like, who are you when you're at your best? Who do you need to have around you? Like people don't even think about that. They just go, oh, I have my friends. Well, maybe your friends aren't the best people to help your business, you know? And you use that through a tool of creating vision boards, right? And so what have you noticed, again, since it's Champions of Risk, how does a vision board or could a vision board help people get beyond the the fear that might be stopping them right now and be bolder and move forward. The feeling of fear is really big, but the mm-hmm. feeling of excitement will usually win. But we just think about fear more, more often because that's just how our brains are wired. You're right. And yeah. so a vision board, I mean, writing your goals down, I mean, the Harvard study, you know, you're 86, I think, 86, 87, whatever the number is, high 80s, more likely to achieve your goals if you simply write them down. Yes. But people don't even do that. They don't even know what they want. And, and so, even verbalizing will, yes. will start to make it click. Yes. Yes. And so, but a vision board, you can actually see that picture of what you want and it attaches this feeling to it. What does the site add to the likelihood of you achieving more so than just the words are writing? Yeah, it it goes up exponentially. Okay, it goes up exponentially, and then well, so you're if you if you if you write down goals, 
What are, what are the numbers? Like, and having an accountability partner increases it. Then having a coach increases that. You know, it's like all these um, numbers. But when you can see it, you're like, oh, I'm going to work towards that versus it's just another dream. It's just something else that I thought of. And then it focuses your mind. So it's not just like putting together the vision board, but it's looking at it. One of oh, the, you can't stick it in the closet and forget about yeah, it. Yeah, and that and that's the kind thing. of like a business plan. Yeah, you have to look at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because most of us go, oh, I want that, I want that, I want that, and we can't want too many things at once. So that's the thing too. You don't want to fill your vision board with twenty thousand items because you want to you want to fill it up. But then you go, what are the one to three that I'm going to work on that'll trickle down and impact other ones as well? Okay. So like you have the big rocks. You're like, that's what I'm focusing on. But I have a woman in the book, um, her name's Kristen, and she's here in the Twin Cities. And she had a, she didn't have a vision board per se, but she had a picture of this home. They, they were renting and it was really negative, but she was self-employed. So they didn't qualify for mortgages in the traditional way. And she's like, I'm just going to go to this neighborhood that where I want to live in Minneapolis. And she took pictures, right? Like creepy woman, like taking pictures <laughs> of homes. And, and she put that picture of the home on her mirror. And she didn't just look at that picture, but she was like, how is it going to feel when I roll up in the driveway? Like, how am I going to feel pulling into the driveway. How is it going to feel when I take my coat off? Like she visualized all this stuff and putting it in the front hall and hanging it up. And how is it going to feel with my kids having their own space? And she like really visualized it. And long story short, uh, there was a house that had dropped like $50,000 in price and they qualified for some special mortgage for, it was, I don't know if it was through the city or there was something, it was for self-employed people, maybe like a nonprofit. I forgot like what it was, but, um, and they got the house, not the one she had on her vision board, but three blocks away from that one. I love that. That's yeah. a, that is a great story. And I think a, a big piece of that is like, it's not always going to look exactly, it most likely isn't going to look exactly the way you're imaging it right now. But the power of visualizing is something that we talk a lot about on Champions of Risk. It comes up quite a bit. And so she would never have known when she first went and took the creepy photos, right? <laughs> you know, that there was like some mortgage that she could actually qualify for or that a house would decrease, you know, in it, its asking price and stuff. But she kept doing it. And that consistency piece, I think, is is really important for anybody who's working on achieving a big goal. Yeah, and I really believe that the universe lays things out for us, if we know what we want and why we want them and our intention behind it's good, there are things, I mean, there, there are things, I'm sure for you too, there have been crazy things that have happened and you're like, what? Like I was just, you know, like the door opened, but yeah. there's no door if you don't know what you want. So a door can't even open for you if you don't, you know, the intention behind it's not well and you can't see it. So there's another woman in the book, her name's Erin Etheridge, and she's like, the more specific, the more terrific. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Isn't that great? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She's a realtor, but she, yeah. So we have to simplify to multiply mm -hmm. and the more specific, the more terrific. Yes. Yes. These are mantras, people. Yes. <laughs> but the, another mantra, which is, um, but I always say like we plan emotionally and we execute rationally. Mm. So if we can Tell plan, if you can plan, like, you know, the why, and you're really emotional about that and you're, and then you figure out what do I need to do? Then you just do it. You know what I mean? Like you just do it. It doesn't matter how you feel when you're executing. It doesn't matter how you feel when you're doing your how. Right. It's just like you said you wanted to do this or your business needs you to do this mm -hmm. to have that goal that you want. 
because we're emotional beings and I feel like we, you can't like turn that off. You can't like make someone, I feel like, cause the emotion sells and the passion sells and why we do something sells. So you can't like turn that off, but while you're going through it, it's like, this is what I got going on today. This is what I consciously put in my planner based on what my goals were. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do it. And it has to do, everything you're speaking to is around being authentic. So if you can tap into the things that really make you you, the how part's insignificant. Mm-hmm. It, it's that piece. How did you use what you ended up writing in the book? Before you even wrote the book, you started a business. Yep. How did you apply the vision boarding to creating a business? My consulting business or the insurance business? Okay. Yeah. (laughs) I've done a couple of businesses. Well, and (laughs) is there a consistent theme between that? Because, you know, it's helpful to know practices of things that helped people make big things happen in their lives. So if it was consistent between the insurance and the consulting business, go for it. Okay. Yeah, and it was. So I took, well, when I, when I did insurance, I didn't work like by energy times of my day. I just went out all day and just called on business. Like how you learned to do it door-to-door book Correct. Selling. Correct. I remember there was a, a top salesperson and she decided one afternoon, she brought her bike. You know, we, we, we did a week. Um, anyway, she brought her bike and I was like, that woman's crazy. Like, why isn't she working? That's so lazy. And it was like, no, in reality, she was being so smart. I just wasn't mature enough, you know, to like see that. Like, no, she should be. I work out in the afternoons now. Like, that's when I work out because that's energetically better. So even like writing the book, when I set up my consulting business, I, I wrote the book in the morning. I write two hours a day and then I just said, forget it the rest of the day because I knew I wasn't going to be, it was just, I was wasting time. And when, with the consulting business, I knew I didn't want to be cold calling most of the time. Like, so I actually don't do a lot of cold calling. I don't dial for dollars uh, very often, but I, I still call people, but it's, I'm much better at referrals now and kind of being smart as to how I can fill my funnel, that that can lead to other products. And I, um, whatever I had to get done, I would schedule it. And I schedule it when I was at my best. And that thinking time for me is typically the morning. Yes. I'm, I'm with you on that. How would you define risk? Ooh. Yeah. Um, I would probably define risk as something that is scary. It, well, here's the thing with risk. It's not always scary. It's, it's not usually as scary as we think it is. So just some sort of goal or some, something that scares you that you probably need to do. Because nothing cures fear like taking a risk. Yes. We had a guest whose mother said, do it afraid. It goes with what you're saying. Yeah. Um, I was at, I, I was um, moderating a panel a few weeks ago and this consultant said, um, her name's Paula. She's like, you don't need to be confident to have courage. Mm. And I thought, and she just went into the whole definition of that. And I thought that is really good because we think we need to be confident and and, and you you just, yeah, you need to be courageous. You just like, you need to just take the step Yes, and then it'll, it'll come out. And, um, with risk in general, I just think it's helpful to break it down. We, we just see this, like this whole big thing and you're like, well, what can I do now? Where am I now with my skill set? What can I actually put in for work effort towards that risk? And then just do that. Yeah. And And then then just do it. Yeah. Just do it. Yeah. You know, we started talking about how you started off in 100% commission sales. You're an, you're an entrepreneur, so that's basically 100% commission mm-hmm. as well. What would you say on a scale of 1 to 10, with 1 being low and 10 being high, is your risk level? It's actually really low. 
I'm actually a really conservative person, which I know that that's weird, but I look at risk differently than I, I'm not going to go to a casino or I'm not going to like drop all my money on a lottery ticket because that's out of my control. Mm. But I'm very, yeah, I, it's, that's really, I know that that's a weird question, but that's, that's how I view it. But I'm sure people would be like, no, like you're probably really high. Like you can take a lot of risk. And I, I don't, if, if I can, if the controllables and I can bet on me and I can bet on the people around me, I will take the risk. Yeah, no, I think it's great. It, it, the number varies, you know, greatly with people that we've been talking to. And it, it's what I'm always curious about is how you view it. Because to your point, other people might think you are like the biggest, you're probably a 12 out of 10. But for you, it feels lower. Yep. Because you only or you're more likely to move forward once you know what part of it you can control. Is yeah. that right? Educated risks, I'll be super high. But like a risk in general, mm-hmm. I'm really low. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So what advice or words uh, would you give to someone who is thinking about making a big move? For them, it's a big leap. What what would you share with them? I would share what I kind of shared earlier, like thinking through like what are all the good things that can happen based on what they're in control of Mm -hmm. and what are all the bad things that might happen that they need to prepare themselves for. Because sometimes when we look at those, the expected unexpected things, we're not prepared yet for that. And so maybe they shouldn't take that risk until they have a few things in place. Mm -hmm. Just because people see a risk doesn't mean they have to take it right away. They can prepare. Right. You know, I mean, you don't want to get caught up in I'm preparing, I'm planning, and I'm not actually acting. Like you want to set a a deadline for that, like acting on that goal or that acting on that risk. But that's what I would really say. And, and I would, I would never negate the importance of having the right people around you. So if you're Mm. going to take on a new risk, you should really find people who have done what you're trying to do, who are encouraging to you. One thing I write about in the book that is from Daniel Pink, um, which mm-hmm. is, I just love him, but it's, it's you know, this positive self-talk is really not the answer. It's um, self-interrogation. Oh. So instead of like, I can do it, be like, can I do it? If I did it, what would that look like? And that, then your, then your body or then your mind starts making this plan. Right. And that's the part that reduces the risk. Yes. Yes. When you can start eliminating pieces and actually seeing how it's possible. Yeah. That's great. Rebecca, thank you so much for taking time to talk with us today on Champions of Risk podcast. How can we follow you? Um, I am on Instagram, Rise with Rebecca. That's also my website, risewithrebecca.com. And I'm on LinkedIn quite often. So people can connect with me, Rebecca Gebhardt. And if they (laughs) want to purchase your book, how can they do that? Yeah, the book's on Amazon, but you can also, there's links on my website, but there's also beyondtheboardbook.com. There's links and there's a whole, a free workbook on that website that goes through all of the exercises in the entire book. Oh, great. So they don't have to buy the book. It's going to be more beneficial, but there's on that beyondtheboardbook.com, there's a whole workbook they can download. I'm downloading it today. (laughs) So thank you, Rebecca. You know, our purpose with Champions of Risk is to first and foremost champion the people, just like Rebecca, who are bravely taking leaps in life. We know storytelling is a powerful learning tool, and our hope is you may see yourself in some of these stories, and in doing so, it will allow you to be a little more braver, a little more daring, and a little more willing to take the risk in your life, whatever that may look like. If you know of someone with a good story to share, please reach out to us at michaelwkithcart.com. 
www.thrivingmomsmindset.com. And if you'd like some help taking a big leap and reaching your potential, let's connect and talk. Again, that's at michaelwkithcart.com. <laughs>